Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Convo Courses. Let's just dive right into this. Today I'm going to be telling you about uh, somebody sent me their resume. I haven't done one of these in a while, but I'm just going to give some of the tips that I would use um, on my resume to stuff that I, basically I just do things that work for me. Um, I <laughs> I do not have a problem getting a job, and it's because I, I just know what to put on the on the resume. I know what employers are looking for. I know what technical recruiters are wanting I've done interviews before I, I really have a strong idea of what what this market wants so I'm gonna walk you through that what you're looking here on the screen then what we're gonna talk about is a question somebody somebody asked me a question about ACAS um, which if you don't know what that is it's a it's the it's Nessus it's a vulnerability scanner is what it is <laughs> so let's start off with this resume and these are just my tips guys um, obviously there's so many different awesome cybersecurity people out there who who can give you more tips, and I hope that they can chime in and help us out here. But this is just my perspective and things that I have used. So you're looking at a resume that I've obviously changed the names to protect the innocent, all locations, job, the all the the locations, the the job titles, all that stuff has been changed so that we can disguise you know who it really is and we don't accidentally dock somebody or something so obviously they put their name up here up top one of the first things that i do whenever i can is i put my strongest certification or my strongest title or whatever right up top so here for example uh they have a i think they have a security plus so yeah security plus it looks like their strongest it looks like their strongest certification, their most marketable certification. So I would just go ahead and put that right up top. Security Plus, if I could spell. Security Plus. So you put your name and then put Security Plus right after that. Or if you have a CISSP, you would put that. Whatever is your strongest, um, whatever is your strongest certification or um, degree or whatever you have, you would put it up top. I would make this a little bit smaller too. It's another thing I would do. No need to make it too big. All right, this doesn't have to look pretty. One thing you'll notice about my these resumes that I put out here, I don't try to, I don't go out of my way to make them look pretty. I'm more about the content and and the reason why I don't care so much about what it looks like unless I'm in front of the person like if I'm gonna do an in-person interview yes I would bring a formatted pretty resume or whatever but most of the time people these days especially in our field in IT in technical fields in cybersecurity they're looking online they're gonna find you nine, out of, nine times out of ten online so what matters most is the content not so much I mean as you can see this formatting is really messed up this is not um, the person who gave me this didn't do this I did this I trans I um, converted their resume from a, a PDF to to um, a dot doc on Google Drive, so that's why it looks like this. But for now, I want you to just ignore the formatting and focus on the content. That's what we're going to focus on. So right up top, right by the name, I would put a certification. Your highest certification is what you should do. If you have a master's degree, you might want to put that up there as well. And then right underneath that, they put 
the title, the title that they're going for. And this is what I do too. Now, this is just to kind of set all this up. This is a person who is a normal IT person. They've done help desk, they've done IT technician, they've done support type roles, and they're trying to break into cybersecurity. So if you're trying to do that, if this is you, then here's some tips for you, okay? So they put the job that they want right up top. And uh, that is, that's how I do it too. So that's actually a really good effective way to do this. They put entry-level security analyst. They might even just want to just say security analyst. But entry-level security analyst, that's fine. As long as you're putting something up here up top. You might want to put um, the buzzword of the day is cybersecurity analyst or information security analyst or something like that. Information security is a really good keyword buzzword um, information uh, cyber security analyst is another good buzzword so we're going to put that we're going to leave that up top and the reason why we do this is again when we put this start putting this stuff on linkedin on indeed on all the other uh, job aggregates out there we want as many keywords as possible we're already leading really strongly with security plus right up top and cybersecurity right up top as well for the title that we want, that we're seeking. Now, just a note on this, if you've never done any, if you've never done any IT at all, uh, it's a real stretch for you to put something like cybersecurity analyst up here, okay? If you've, if you, if you're, if you've never done, if you've never touched a firewall and you don't have any firewall experience at all on your resume and you put entry-level firewall engineer it's a real stretch for you to put that there you have no experience the reason why this person can put this here is because they actually have IT experience and some of this some of the stuff that they've done is cybersecurity so they can actually they can it's it's a, a little bit of a reach but they can they can pull this off um, so this is the job that they're going for so they put this up here that's fine so let's remember, don't reach too far. You can reach, but don't reach too far. All right, so let me just, uh, I usually center this, but they don't. you don't have to. That's just my, that's what I do. Um, right up top, t people normally put some kind of a summary. This is a really good opportunity to put as many keywords in here as possible. So they said working, working hard and diligent individual with three years of t IT experience. Uh, looking to use skills I have developed over the years to kickstart my career in security analyst. So, all right, so this right here, I would I would save this to the end, and I would put I would stuff it with keywords. That's what I would do. I would put something like um, like McAfee endpoint protection specialist uh, working with major. Uh, <laughs> major corporate entities to install bit blocker like i would just stuff it with a bunch of keywords that's what you want to do uh that's what i do and it's it's worked for me all right so we'll come back to this we'll come back to this for now let's get into these skills here so skills is something you can put up here i i typically don't put this up top but you can you can you just there's nothing wrong with that and the formatting is jacked up, but let's ignore that for now and just focus on the content. And then they said uh, skills, technical skills consist of McAfee endpoint protection block, bit blocker, drive encryption, um, 
basic understanding of tools like Wireshark, SolarWinds, Splunk, Active Directory. And if you can get away with saying something like, this is kind of weak right here, basic understanding of tools like, I would say something like um, experience, I would say something like ex, ex, experience uh, user or something like, um, well, you, if you're not a specialist, you don't want to put that in there. If you're not an expert, you don't want to put that in there. But what can we say that we we that we've used this before, that we know how to use it? Um, familiar with, you could say that, uh, but I would say experienced, experience with security tools such as Wireshark, SolarWinds, Splunk, Active Directory, uh, oh, no, this is a separate sentence. So but you're telling them, hey, I have skills in uh, in security tools. And you might even want to put cybersecurity tools. So you see how any chance I get, I'm trying to put keywords in there. I'm cheating. With cybersecurity tools such as, and we could say, but not limited to. But not limited to. And then Wireshark, SolarWind, Splunk, and then name a few other ones. And obviously, if you don't have experience with it, you probably want to say familiar with or something, you know, which it I mean, <laughs> it, when you say that, it kind of denotes that you don't have experience with it, you know. But uh, in my personal opinion, the most important thing is to get it on your resume uh, to list it as a because it's a keyword all right i'm not going to mess around with the formatting so forgive the how ugly this looks right here let's just stick with the content so in the next sentence they say active directory group policy sccm and event viewer so they're kind of just listing off a whole bunch of stuff here so i think maybe what they need to do is do a spell check and a, and a grammarly check uh, the grammar on this is really bad, and so you don't. One thing you don't want to do on a resume. Now I know I said I just got through saying, uh, "Don't worry about the formatting, whatever." Right? One thing you do not want to do. You definitely want to check is spell check. You want to do a spell check, and you want to do a grammar check because this right here has a. It has a. It went right into a whole list of other security tools, and and, and it just it went period, and then another group of security tools. So they made a mistake here. But that's fine. Other skills. Interpersonal skills. They said uh, interpersonal skills, fast learner, extremely flexible, uh, strong team player, critical thinking skills. Where this really comes in when you get, get into interpersonal skills, it's fine to put those on there. But where, where these really sell you is when you're doing the interview. I, I've noticed whenever I mention interpersonal skills on interviews um, – they get really excited about that. And I have yet to I have yet to not win an interview to succeed in an interview where I did not mention 
where I mentioned my my interpersonal skills. If I if I mention that I work really well with, with difficult customers, get some every time. Get some every time. If I say, you know, I don't know everything, but I rely on my team to supplement my knowledge. I'm a team player, right? That's another way of saying I'm a team player. So the reason why interpersonal skills are so important is because a lot of us IT guys don't have these kind of interpersonal skills, unfortunately. So if you have these things, if you know how to speak, if you're not afraid to speak in public, if you're not, if you if you can deal with difficult customers, that goes a really long way. So just keep that in mind. That said, you can put them on your resume as well. Okay. Um, certifications, they list a bunch of certifications, A+, plus, uh, Network+, plus, Security+, plus, ITIL, LPI, Linux Essentials. And then they mention, this is a really good one, Interim Security Clearance. Always put your security clearance. This is That's really good. Definitely, definitely list whatever security clearance you have. Um, Jay says that interpersonal uh, skills block needs to go. Uh, turn those into actionable statements that you've done on the job. It's pure fluff. Everyone says the same exact thing. Use the space up. So I would say you. I, it's okay to use it. Um, but it, it would I, I would agree that it would be better to use it in your actual uh, in your work history, like as an actionable statement that would work a little bit better. But where these really sell, like I said, is in the interview itself. If you're in the interview, that's where you want to really go into how you work with others. Right. Because they'll and they also pick up on it when you're talking to them. They'll see your communication skills are good. And that's the thing. You want to rehearse it before you even get the interview. You'll know when the interview is coming. Right. So before you do that, go through your resume and and actually perform the resume right in front of the mirror. If you have to perform the resume and and uh, ask yourself the questions. Right. And then practice, practice how you respond to each one of those the questions that they might ask. And then also go through the job title, go through the requirements and answer how you have done those requirements. That's what you want to. That's what I do. I look at this job like, right, I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. So what I'll do is I'll look at their requirements and I will say, okay, let's say the requirement is you must have active three years of active uh, of active directory experience. Right. So I would then practice when I'm looking in the mirror or whatever or with my wife or whoever. Right. I'll practice with them or just by myself and say, OK, well, sir, I have three years of active directory experience. I've created uh, group policies on large networks and small networks as well in two different environments. You know, I would just practice saying saying how I meet each one of the requirements on their description. So that's just one thing to, to that a little tip for you. All right, let's I'm just going to only do one of these. I'm not going to spend too much time um on on all of these things right here. I just want to see if I can break this up. So right right away I'm seeing some problems here. So these you don't want to have this kind of stuff on your resume. Um so he has the wrong there there. You, you know, you 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 want to <laughs> definitely do a spell check on your resume. Um, I mean, honestly, people can forgive formatting. IT guys, you know, we're technical. 
you know, you, you don't, the resume doesn't have to look pretty, but if the grammar is really bad, um, and the, some people can't look past that. So if the grammar's bad. If the, if you haven't sp- taken the time to spell check it, some people are going to be thinking of themselves. Employers are going to be thinking, well, this guy didn't even have, the, he didn't even take the time to look through their own resume. He didn't even take the time. They, they're not meticulous. They're not paying attention to detail. I have a problem with that. Next resume, right? Don't do it. This is an easy fix. The easy fix is run spell check. Run spell check. Look, tools, spelling and grammar. I mean, this is an easy win. Look at this. Change, except there. It's, it's literally, you know, now this one's, we can ignore that one. But look how many things that you know, you got to fix the, the spelling and, and grammar. You, you can't. You, you got to do it. Like take the time, that one extra step, maybe even let somebody read it for you, like a friend of yours or a coworker or somebody read it and uh, and give you some, you know, some pointers or, or catch mistakes. OK. All right. So once again, we're going to ignore the formatting. The formatting is messed up because I I converted it over from a PDF to dot doc and uh, didn't take the time to, to mess around with it. But. Let's just go over this. So they said that they are a desktop support specialist for VIP. And there was other stuff in here too. I just I removed it. I just wanted to take time to look at one of these to get an I so you can get an idea of um of how to do this. All right. So so let's see. They're at Mark II Department of Aerospace. I made all this stuff up. This is not real. <laughs> so and then maybe it would have um it have a date here somewhere, right? Of when they worked work there but let's get into the meat of this uh utilized active directory to provide users um account unlocks password resets added user see this is a run-on sentence um this just you just oh man this (laughs) man you gotta have people look at this all right so here's how i would do this um i would say Provided, uh, provided, um, crucial, crucial, um, identity, identity, and authentication. services to I'm, I'm i'm thinking of a of a really good keyword here um that i want to use here i am identity and access management that's what i was looking for i am um, provided let's let's get rid of this fluff word here identify provided identity and Access management. I am. This is a service that a lot of people that a lot of people are looking for. I can show you here. If I go to LinkedIn, let's go to LinkedIn real quick. Wow, this is slow internet, man. I'm I'm out in the middle of nowhere. My internet is horrible. I mean, it is extra bad today. <laughs> anyway. While that's coming up, 
provided identity and access management IAM services to who do we provide them to? Let's see. To um, Department of Aerospace. Now, obviously, I made this up, but whatever department. reason why I put Department of Defense or Department of Justice or Department of whatever is because that's that's showing that you have you they these people entrusted you the Department of Aerospace, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of whatever. Right. They entrusted you with their active directory services. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So you weren't just any uh, desktop service specialist. Right. So that's this is a big deal. Provided identity and access management, IAM services. To, and let me let me show you real quick why I put IAM in here once LinkedIn comes up. All right. And this this right this is my real uh, profile on LinkedIn, by the way. This is real real time information you're seeing here. IAM. So IAM identity access identity. If I could spell identity. Access. Look, see that? You see this? This is a keyword. See how I, I'm typing it and then it, it auto fills it for me. So people are looking for IEMs or identity access management. And you can see it identity management access, Deloitte. Um, Deloitte's a huge financial entity in the US. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to show you that that's a real keyword there. So you want to use that. We'll get to access. I'll, I'll use uh, Active Directory in a second here. Provided identity and access management services to the Department of Defense, uh, Department of Aerospace, um, to Department of Aerospace unit, whatever whatever the unit is, right? Whatever the unit to. Okay, you know what? Let's be specific. To three to three. Point three to over to over three thousand. I don't know how many people you've done, but I'm, I'm sure it's a lot, right? To over three thousand users within the department. That's one thing you could put. Um, or you know what? I got a better way to put this. We could say something like. Provided identity and access management services for the Department of Aerospace, period. Servicing, servicing, oh, let's get to the impact now. Now we're going to talk about, we talked about what you did, but now let's talk about impact. Let's fix this thing real quick. For Department of Aerospace, servicing over 3,000 users using uh, Microsoft Access, you could just put Active Directory. Active Directory, well, actually let's put Microsoft, 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 Active Directory to um, unlock, Reset create and delete 
users. Servicing over 3,000 micros using to unlock, reset, create, and delete users. So let me let me break this down for you. So why did I do it like this? So yours, the one that the first sentence was a, a run-on sentence, and uh, it's not really taking advantage of uh, of all the stuff that this person has done and also it didn't it's missing a lot of keywords here so what I did was I made sure that this person put in the appropriate keyword and then I put the impact very important not only what you did but the impact of what you did is equally important right and I'm gonna bulletize it so provided identity and access management IAM services for the Department of Aerospace. Boom. So this is showing how important this is. I mean, this is for the Department of Aerospace, right? Or Department of NSA, whoever, right? Servicing over 3,000 users. Now, now I'm being specific. I'm showing you impact by being very specific on what you've done, right? And I don't know how many it was, but I'm sure it was a lot. Or you want to calculate how many users did I do while I was there for, for a year? I was there for eight months. How many did I do, right? You can quickly in your head do like come up with an estimate of how many you did 3,000 users that 3,000 users is showing the impact of what you did you are a critical resource for them for that eight months or that year that you were there because you're probably want to uh you know if, if they service 10,000 tickets uh that were servicing users you did about a third of those so that's a big deal so we're showing impact by using numbers okay and not only that we're gonna say okay using Microsoft Active Directory. Now, this is showing that you know how to use this specific technology and it's using a keyword. And what did you do? You unlocked, you reset, you created and deleted users, right? So so there you go. So that's the kind of stuff you want to do. Now, you had other stuff in here. The person who wrote this had other stuff in here. They had uh, that they put people in the correct groups and stuff like that. So this is a whole nother bullet statement. You could put a whole nother bullet statement talking about how you uh, did uh, help the organization with role-based access by making sure that the appropriate users were in the appropriate groups. And you did that to over 500 groups. Like that's the kind of verbiage you want to put in there. That's the kind of breakdown you want to put in there. So I want to go on. I won't go on, on and on about this one. Um, I do these from time to time to help people out with their resumes just to kind of show like what I do personally on resumes. And um, I said I'd get back to this uh, on this one. Um, I normally if you're going to use this, you need to it has to be hard hitting. Right. It has to be. Let me just show you. I'll just put it. I'll just do a real quick example. This will be the last thing I do here. I do something like this. I'll do something like 10 years of experience in information technology. Um, in the public and private sector. That's impact, immediate impact. It, it's showing a very big a slice of what you've done. This is the kind of stuff I do. I wanted to give them a bird's eye view of what my career is, who I am in this career, who they're who who they who it is that they're actually 
reviewing, you know, bird's eye view. That's what I do. And then I, I hit them with like some specifics like um, over five years do, doing security compliance. This might not be you, but I'm just kind of giving you an idea of what, what I do in the top whenever I do summaries. Using frameworks such as risk NIST risk management framework. Now, obviously, this is probably not this person's not this is not. They're not a security compliance person, but you get the idea. So what they could do is put um, they could put something like um, conducted. Uh, let me see. In their career path, they put something like information technology. This one's still good because it looks like they were in the public and private sector. But then instead of saying that they conducted uh, five years of, of security compliance, they could probably say, um, they could say something like, uh, 10 years of experience in information technology in the public and private sector conducting, um, or saying, uh, yeah, conducting security implementing implementing security controls so see we're, we're getting back to security if you want to do security you have to enhance you have to put forward all the security things that you have done in your career and if you've if you've been in it you've done tons of security before so it's not a stretch for you to say that you're an entry-level cybersecurity analyst private uh, public and private implementing security features on critical critical systems i don't know something like that you know if you're going to put something on top like put put something like that and then you probably want to put as many keywords in there as possible that's what i do um but that's it that's it for that one guys um let me see i got some people in here interview is good to in is good to instead of the resume like you said yeah um, oh, somebody said, I just passed the Security Plus an hour ago, going to purchase one one of your courses. I'm a newbie in cybersecurity. Well, congratulations on uh, Security Plus. That's a really good thing to put on your resume. Uh, definitely, definitely will get some eyeballs. Make sure you put it on your LinkedIn. And um, like I've been saying here, make sure you highlight all the security things that you've done. All right. That's what you want. If you especially if you've been in IT for some time, put all of the security things that you've done for medium, small and large organizations. All right. It's not like this person was saying, oh, well, I, I installed uh, group policies. I, um, I I made accounts. You got look when you you got to say what you did from a security perspective. So that's what I'm trying to get you guys to do. Like if you're trying to get in cybersecurity, enhance, highlight all the security things that you've done. All right. So I've got some other questions here and some people showing up here. Uh, Esther said, could you give an example of a time when you had to explain something complex 
or technical to a frustrated colleague? And how did you handle uh, this delicate situation? Um, that's actually a really good question. Um, so this definitely happens from time to time, especially in my line of work. Um, I can give you a specific example. There was a time when um, I was doing – I was an information system security officer and it's it's more policy-oriented, right? It doesn't typically get comp, uh, complex or technical. But I worked with a team of other security compliance people and our focus was mostly policy, the NIST policies, NIST 800, risk management framework, stuff like that. And every now and then we have to reach out to our co our other colleagues, other departments who are very technical. Like we had firewall people, we had network people, and the people who we talked to the most were were network people because we were on a the the network where where we were was extremely um, it needed a lot of work security wise. Um, it, it would needed a lot of work because the 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 federal government start really cracking down on things like HTTPS and they start cracking down on uh, they're just getting hacked a lot right it's getting just it's getting volatile out there it just and it had just this storm of of other countries attacking each other right it's happening right now but and that's what you're seeing that's why all, all this news about all these countries like what's happening is, is there's an information war going on right now that's what's happening. And uh, countries are taking any advantage that they can to pull other countries down the notch. So they're attacking infrastructure. They're attacking networks. So that's why the federal government is going crazy on, on locking down federal net networks. And that's why places like uh, Pipelines and Target and, and all these other hospitals are getting taken out, right, because they don't have the same level of scrutiny that, say, the Department of Defense does or NASA or whoever does, right? They Because they've been getting attacked for years. NASA, Department of Defense, you name it, uh, FAA, they've been getting attacked for years, and they're a huge target. So they're, they've, they had to learn the hard way years ago, you know, years ago. And that's not to say they don't, they're not still getting attacked. They are, but now the hackers and state-sponsored um, – cyber criminals are, are having to attack all these soft targets. Anyway, that's a whole nother subject. Um, so we had to, our security compliance team had to talk to this very technical group of network uh, specialists. And one of my colleagues was not a very technical guy. And uh, he would, the other team would explain something technical to him and he didn't understand and uh he would come back with with basically nonsense because he didn't understand what was going on um so i'd have to intervene and explain while and I, <laughs> so i'd have to intervene and explain it but it would it already had gone so far that they were attacking each other on email which is not professional at all. And um, <laughs> so they're already attacking each other because my colleague who is the cybersecurity uh, 
so the the security compliance guy who's not technical is keeps kind of repeating uh, the policy, and the technical person is trying to explain, no, this isn't this this is not how it works. This is why we we cannot. This is not going to work. So then I would they stop talking to this guy and they start talking to me instead. And I and I said, okay, I I get what you're saying now. In order for me to understand what the technical person was saying, I had to actually do some research. I actually had to go read and uh, polish up on some of my old uh, networking skills. And um, so, but your question is, how do you how do you explain it to uh, somebody who's non-technical? So this is one of the things I have to do a lot. So because I'm as a cybersecurity person, especially if you're an ISO, if you're an information system security officer, if you're in a role uh, like a, a, a information system security officer um, and many other cybersecurity co- uh, consulting jobs, it, this role is going to have you talking to the CIO who's, who's not usually super technical and wants things brief, like they want you to get to the point. Uh, and then you're, you're having to talk to the managers who are usually not super technical. Every now and then you get some brilliant freaking manager guy in there who, who's, who has a CISSP and is super smart on – so you can't BS him or whatever. <laughs> but then you have to also switch gears and, ch- and talk to a technical person. And, and this is lost on some security compliance people. And, and that always surprises me that they're still in this field that they haven't learned to communicate um, with people. What I normally do is I speak the language of the person I'm talking to. If it's a CIO, they want an executive summary. They don't want you to get in the weeds. It's it's actually not good to get in the weeds with with the uh, with the CIO unless they are asking you a specific question that is technical. Then you you either answer the question if you can, or have a technical person right there by your side, th- ready for them to explain it. Right. Uh, another thing I'll do is be, before a meeting with this person who is not technical, I will exp- I will try to explain it like I'm like I'm teaching it, but not not condescending, but explain it in plain English with no acronyms, with no like if you're explaining TCP/IP, right? Um, that's basically the internet. So you you don't want to say TCP/IP. You want to say internet connection. If if you, if they go in the weeds and say, well, what what's the difference between HTTP and HTTPS, right? Then okay, you can go ahead and explain the differences between those two things, and that's a little bit technical. The, the fact that they know what HTTP and HTTPS is, and there's a difference between those two things, tells you right away, okay, this person has a different level of knowledge. But if they don't, you don't want to be spouting off all this TCP/IP as as little as possible. So, I try to speak to the audience in their language. If I'm speaking to a manager, you can get a little bit in the weeds with a manager, but uh, they're usually thinking on on operational terms. So you want to speak their language. If you're talking to a technical person, you want to speak their language. They're not they're not a technical person. Isn't isn't focused on uh, policy, right? They they a lot of those guys think that policy is a waste of time. 
So you want to speak the, their language. You know, if if they don't understand, like a, a lot of times the problem I have is not explaining to a non-technical person something that's technical. I usually don't have a problem with that because of this. I think it's because of this interaction right here. Because whenever I try to, a lot of times when I learn, I'm, I'm learning in such a way that I could explain it to someone else. And I don't feel like I've learned it until I could explain it to 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 like three different levels of people. If that makes any sense, I need to be able to explain it to a technical person so it doesn't look like I'm blowing. I'm <laughs> that I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I need to be able to explain it to a manager and I need to be, be able to explain it to a lay person like a CIO who, who may not know all this jargon. Right. I need to explain it to those three levels of people. So in what I do is whenever I learn something, I'm learning it so that I can explain it to someone else because it's super important in cybersecurity. The number one thing is be patient. Be patient. Do not be condescending. And and understand that everybody learns in a different way. Some people are not technical. And I think that a lot of times IT people, they think that they're the smartest person in the room. And so they'll talk down to a whole bunch of people who they feel are not on their level, right? That's that's the wrong attitude. Some cybersecurity policy guys, they walk around like they're cops, like they have a badge and they want to show their badge to everybody. And um, that's also not the right the right way to go about this. The way you want to speak to anyone is like you're on their team. If when you when you speak as we as us, as what we did, how can we do this? Um, this is the way I understand it. Basically, you're putting that perspective in there. You're changing. When you when you shift that perspective, man, it has such an impact on people. They know that you're on their team, right? Even if you're an auditor, you can even do that if you're an auditor. So they know, look, I'm not here to get you. I'm, we're here to point out vulnerabilities so that we can, so that you, so we can get this system better so that we don't get attacked by some outside agency, right? We use that we. So don't be condescending, number one. You're not the smartest person in the room, right? Uh, use different perspectives. Use we. Like I'm on your team. Be patient and realize that everybody has a different language based on their role. Not everybody has this language that you that we have. Like you guys understand what I'm saying if I start talking about TCPIP or networking or cybersecurity stuff or you know hacking or whatever. You guys understand it. The people watching this, but we have to understand. Like we're talking, most of the people we talk to don't understand any of this stuff, right? Don't understand any of it and don't want to take the time. Don't have the time to to understand it. Only need to know. Hey, did you secure our system and how and when? When is it going to be done? How much money is it going to cost? Right? They want to get to the point if it's a CIO or CEO. Okay. I think I answered that question. I hope that answered the question. That's my perspective on it, Esther. A um, little bit long-winded on that one. Hey, Nobby, how are you doing? Um, Andrew Wright says, no one wants to feel stupid. Once you're communicated, once you've communicated respect, uh, re oh, once you've communicated respect, for the person's unique skill set, things get easier. Exactly, Andrew. That's exactly how I feel. It's it's respect. It's what it comes down to. Respecting the other person's um, 
their own level, right? They they might they might be um, a program manager who who's um, is on three or four different projects, just because they don't know HTTPS or the FTP or SFTP or whatever, right? Doesn't mean that they're stupid. Like approach them with respect, and they'll res they'll they'll reciprocate that respect, and and that's. That right there, that word right there sums it up, Andrew. Um, I, so thank you for that. Respect, that's the name of the game. So, all right, let me see here. Tyrell says, is it possible to get an InfoSec role in policy risk management with government with no clearance? It is possible, Tyrell. Um, it is possible, yes. But I can tell you it is it is difficult. Um, some of the people who have taken my course and, and have some IT experience and they tell me they don't have a, they don't have a clearance, right? And they're having, and they're in the DMV area. They're in the, that's a DC, Virginia, Maryland area. And they're having a hard time getting a job because they don't have a clearance. It depends on location, I would say, but it's not impossible because there's different kinds of risk management jobs. Case in point, the current position that I'm at right now is all private. I don't do any direct uh, work with state or federal, no public. And I do not, it, my job currently does not necessitate a security clearance. In my last job, to be honest with you, I, I did need a public trust clearance, but I did not need a secret clearance. So yes, it's to answer your question, is it possible to get a job with no clearance? It is. It's just more difficult because if if in if it's if you're doing the federal government, it's a little bit more difficult because you're dealing with uh, a lot of time sensitive information. Now, if you don't have a clearance but you do have policy risk management experience, um, and you're willing to work outside the government or government adjacent, meaning organizations that are uh, that are have a subcontract with larger organizations that do work with the government, meaning um, an example might be Lockheed Market Martin works directly with um, Department of Defense, for, uh, for example. I've never worked with Lockheed Martin. Uh, I know people who work with them back in the past, but what I'm saying is you could work for an organization who has a subcontract with Lockheed Martin and Lockheed Martin has a a contract directly with whoever, right? And they might not need you to have a clearance. So that's one way that you could work for the federal government indirectly. Another thing you could do is work for a state. A lot of times state doesn't need a, a full SSBI type clearance. Uh, so, and then you can also get a public trust. I did, I mean, as I mentioned before, I've had one before, much easier clearance to get. And I don't think you have to be a citizen of the of I think you can have be a green heart card holder if I'm not mistaken, um, so yeah, there's other jobs you can get. So to answer your question, yes, it's possible. It's a little bit difficult to get it with the federal government, but I've seen it done before. Um, you might want to consider some other policy type jobs there, and which there are some, by the way. Hospitals, for example, do uh, need risk and policy type people. They're dealing with protecting people's sensitive healthcare information banks might need a public trust but an irs might need public trust but not necessarily a security or t top secret 
uh, our secret clearance. Um, so yeah, just giving you some examples, and I know there's some other organizations that that uh, will not require clearance, but do need a risk management type person. The current job that I'm in, they require me to have extensive knowledge on risk management framework because it helps me to very clearly understand things like PCI and things like CIS and things like basically if you have one framework down you can understand all the other frameworks and a lot of the other frameworks don't need a top secret or secret clearance so it's pretty it's been pretty eye-opening to work in the private sector uh let me see here Anyone going to Black Hat or DEF CON? Um, actually, the company that I work for, they allow me to go to Black Hat, but uh, it looks like it's going to be uh, online. So it's going to be virtual. So I'm not going to be <laughs> – I don't, I don't think they're going to – I'm not sure if they'll allow me to actually go to Nevada, Las Vegas, and, um, and partake in the, in the DEF CON itself. So. But Black Hat? Looks like that's going to happen online. AL says, how do you go from IT work study to cybersecurity? Should I get a cert and start at a at a SOC? I get this question so often, AO. Um, I get this question so often. It's crazy. Um, so how do you do it? Let me Let me show you what I was just going through earlier in this. See if I can show you this here. I was working on somebody's resume who has the same kind of thing going on. So excuse the formatting. I transferred this from a PDF to this. That's why it looks like this. But I was walking them through this resume here. And this is a person who is an IT professional. They did desktop supports. Uh, they did I, uh, IT technician and some other things that I actually deleted off of this. I changed this resume up so that I could, you know, not expose somebody's real information so what they did what you want to do to answer your question if you've especially if you've been in IT for some time is you want to rewrite your resume right you, you probably want to just do a separate resume and that's kind of what we're doing here what I did here is I started to enhance all the security part things that this person has done right even though their role has only been IT or um, technician or or uh, desk support support desktop support or whatever right you have done tons of security stuff but you just have to put it on your resume so you want to redo your resume like a whole nother version of your resume and start off with all your security features this person has a security plus put it right up top right by your name um, it's not a stretch for you to actually put what you want to do right now if you put if you have uh not done any IT before and your previous job was a a, a, a CNA, a, a certified nursing technician or something like that, you probably couldn't put this in here. I mean, you couldn't get away with saying you're an entry-level cybersecurity analyst, right? Because you've never done any kind of IT, cybersecurity stuff, let alone IT. But this person has. So they've done IT before and they've actually worked with tons of different security, cybersecurity tools. So they're listing those things here. So what you want to do is you want to put all the cybersecurity stuff that you've done in your career. That's what you want to do. Starting from the top, going all the way down, you want to highlight all the cybersecurity stuff you've done. So here I put provided 
identity and access management, IAM services. This is a key word in cybersecurity. They're looking for this, right? This person's done it. Services for the Department of Aerospace servicing 3,000 users using Microsoft Active Directory to unlock, uh, reset, create, and delete users. There you go. Boom. And then you want to, that's the kind of stuff you want to uh, highlight. If you've changed passwords, if you've uh, done rule-based, uh, role-based access uh, type work, you've done all the stuff that you have to make sure you put it on your resume, right? If you've uh, updated vulnerabilities, uh, up, uh, gotten rid of uh, patched systems, or if you've updated Microsoft, all of those things are security things that you want to put on your resume. So redo your resume, write it as a, as a cybersecurity resume, highlight all of the security stuff you've done over the years. If you want some tips on where to find things that are considered cybersecurity or information security, whatever, information assurance, whatever, you can go to the NIST 800. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can show you this. NIST 800. Uh, let's see if I have it. Um, let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find it real quick. There's a. If you've heard of the CIS or the ISO twenty seven thousand, um, all of those have it. But there's a breakdown of best security practices that all of us do. Excuse me. In IT, all of us have done these things, and so I just want to show you exactly what i'm talking about here and once once you see it you'll you'll it, the light bulb should go on for you of all the things that you've done as far as security is concerned okay here it is right here nist 800 family of controls the name of the game is security controls right and so what you're looking at here are security controls you've done these if you if you're in it you have done these things so you've done access control before you've done uh awareness uh, security awareness training. You've done audit and accountability. Audit and accountability is looking at logs, turning logs on, enabling logs on on Windows systems, on Linux systems. You've done that before. Um, media protection. Media protection. That's like you're you're uh, at the job and somebody has a a um, an external hard drive. And you're making sure that it's encrypted or you're making sure that it's labeled properly or you're making sure that people don't bring their own uh, media to to work. You know, things like that. It, physical and environmental protection. If you've ever uh, participated in creating a, a visitor's log uh, or made sure that the restricted areas in your, at your organization had a visitor's log, that right there is security compliance. You can put that on the resume. If you've ever done a physical security check, if you ever had to walk around an area to make sure the doors are locked, to make sure the security cameras are on, that's also physical security. That's a physical security assessment, actually. Um, another risk assessment, if you've ever helped with or done a risk assessment to make sure that's basically running a scan. If you've ran a vulnerability vulnerability scan and had to compile that into a report that you then had to give to somebody in your organization, that's something you want to put on your resume. These are all things that you want to put on your resume. And there's a, just the list goes on and on. There's tons of stuff. If you're an IT person, 
the opportunity is golden right now for you because we really need cybersecurity people and there's not enough of us doing this job right now. And it, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen on the news, man, people are just getting, organizations are getting annihilated right now because it's just, there's not a, enough of us and, and it's just pretty crazy. All right, hope that answers your question. Um, anyone going to Black Hat this weekend? Is anybody, oh, that's a good question. Is anybody going to Black Hat? Anybody, I got 13 people watching. Anybody going to Black Hat or DEF CON? If you didn't know, Black Hat and DEF CON is an annual cybersecurity and hacking type event where they focus entirely on information security, um, all the stuff we're talking about here, but they go in greater details, um, huge detail. So, it's a huge event. Um, let me actually let me just bring it up real quick. It's really fun. If you've never done it before, I would definitely encourage you to to check it out. Uh, I've never been to Black Hat before. Actually, I've been to DefCon a couple times, and that is <laughs> it's it's an eye opener. It's it's actually pretty terrifying to be honest with you. It's terrifying how unsecure. Uh, how, how do I put this, that we as a society put so much of our information out there freely and, uh, how much of it is completely unprotected. That was, it's terrifying. And then people, the people that go to DEF CON are people who actively look for the vulnerabilities and weaknesses in the systems that we put all of our sensitive information on these systems. And there's all of these very clever people who do nothing all day but try to infiltrate. And and not all of them is, are criminal hackers, right? You That was another misconception that I had, like, when I went the first time. Uh, before I went, like, I had this misconception that there's going to be nothing but criminal hack. There were criminal hackers there, by the way. And they were, it was terrifying, but <laughs> absolutely terrifying. But for the most part, most of the people there were just doing it as a hobby. They just, they, they were find vulnerabilities. Uh, and then they actually would report it to Cisco or to Microsoft or to Linux or Red Hat or whoever, right? The problems were the organizations themselves. Um, the big, the very big surprising thing for me wasn't, wasn't that people hack, right? The, for me, the biggest eye opener was that organizations who we tr entrust all of our information to our, our personal information, our banking information, don't do more to protect their users. Um, that was the biggest eye opener for me. And the pushback that some of these organizations were doing, uh, literally attacking some of the hackers. Like the hacker would find a vulnerability. There was a big one in for Cisco, for example. Cisco at the time, this was years ago. Years, this is many years ago. And I'm sure it's been fixed. I mean, it's been for sure it's been fixed because it was huge. Cisco had this huge hole in their operating Cisco, in, in their operating system. And Cisco, that's important because a lot of the U.S.'s infrastructure 
runs on Cisco. Cisco is the routers and switches. Basically, it's the hub. It's the all the nodes of the internet. It's the hubs. All of the interconnection of the internet. Everything is based off of uh, routers and switches. And so they had an operating system on these things that's based loosely off of Linux at the time. And it had a huge hole in it. And these security uh, professional cybersecurity people found the hole and they reported it directly to Cisco and said, hey, Cisco, you guys should fix this. And Cisco first ignored them and then told them to shut up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it got very ugly from there. I mean, they eventually fixed it, but there's a lot at stake because if if an organization like Oracle or Cisco or Microsoft, if a hole is found and they don't report it in time or seem like they're trying to hide it, I mean, that can really cost them billions of dollars, right? I mean, that can cost them everything. Their whole organization's based off of this. So it, it would – the good the, – the right thing for them to do would be to immediately respond and fix that item and tell everybody, hey, guys, hey, all of our users, we have this issue here. We're working on a fix or we've already fixed it. Here's the patch and then send it out, kind of like SolarWinds did. SolarWinds got hit. And they immediately did a press release, and then they started fixing it, right? Solar. And if I don't know if you heard about that, but SolarWinds got hacked, where uh, somebody somebody uh, hijacked their supply chain. So they had this site that they would put updates on this site, and so what the hackers did was they went on the site and they replaced their their next update with a with a Trojan, and then. When all of their customers went to go get that update, they had a Trojan and it got uploaded to everyone. So, but what SolarWinds did was they immediately stopped what they were doing, told everybody, hey, this is what's going on. We're fixing it right now. We're working on it. Make sure you don't use this patch. Take it, uninstall it, you know, and then they, they got to work on it. So that's the right thing to do. You know, it, it cost them millions of dollars, but at least they took action. Anyway, DEF CON is incredible. Um, if you have a chance to go, man, it's definitely worth at least checking out and just just make sure you <sighs> – um, if you can, like don't bring a laptop. <laughs> if you do, like lock it down, like have a firewall on it. Uh, make sure nothing you have in, is in promiscuous mode. Uh uh, secure everything. I encrypt your data. Everything, man. Because when I was there, they had, they were hacking people in the in the hotels, and they found a dude doing his taxes there. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. And they just spend the whole time, three days, just hacking each other, hacking anyone, anything that moves. They were hacking it, just to show. Basically, it's like security awareness, but aggressive security awareness <laughs> like it's it's like no other security awareness training you'll ever get like normally in the organization they'll sit you down and they'll say okay make sure that if you get a suspicious email you know don't don't click on those links you know at defcon they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna find a way for you to click on that link and then they're gonna teach you a lesson by putting your name on a giant wall, a wall of shame that they're going to show to everyone. It was incredible. It was an incredible uh, 
thing that I, I want to do it again one of these days because uh, it, it it made you realize that you're not safe. And that's a, you know, it, it's, I'd kind of rather know. It's, it's one of those things that you'd rather know. I personally would rather know if I'm not safe, if I'm, if I'm not really safe, right? But most people get caught off guard and they get their information stolen or whatever or and they just didn't know right and it's i think it's better to know and try to be and try to be um proactive rather than reactive it's just my my take on it uh let me see they're hobbyist more than anything yes exactly ao is it's a lot of hobbyists there it's not all there are some criminal hackers there though it's it's, it's pretty scary but there's also federal government people there there's nsa is there cia is there fbi is there um they did this thing called spot the fed because the federal people from the federal government from all branches of the military from all three level letter agencies they're there hiding in plain sight they'll wear they're not it's not like they're in there with suits or with their military uniform right unless they're there to speak or something or they're there as a as a as a team or something to to partake in one of the games because they have uh, capture the flag games and stuff. Anyway, they go there and they they dress like everyone else, so you wouldn't know that this person works for the NSA or the CIA or whatever. You wouldn't know it. So they had this game called Spot the Fed, where they try to guess that people in the audience. I don't know if they still do that. Who in the audience were actual federal agents? And the federal agents, like a lot of times, they'd be recruiting people, right? If there was a talented hacker there or something. Uh, they would try to recruit you to to work for them. It was it's freaking crazy. Like at least when I went there, it was it was amazing, terrifying but also amazing. Uh, it's like something out of a movie. Thanks for everything you do, brother. Gotta go. You've got my sub. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Esther says, "What are some of the techniques used to prevent uh, web server hacks?" Um, I'm really not uh, that's not my, really my skill set. Um, uh, that being said, I've been hacked several times. Uh, my <laughs> I've, been, I've been hacked several times. Uh, what I would say uh, from personal experience uh, from being hacked <laughs> uh, I know a little bit of something about this. Um, make sure you update. Uh, Apache or whatever web service you're using, if you're using IIS, make sure it's always updated to the latest and greatest vendor level. Um, vendor, the vendor's recommended upgrade, right? Uh, so if it's Apache, if it's IIS, don't use legacy stuff and, and patch it immediately. If you're using something like WordPress, uh, again, Use the most, the latest one. The way that hackers uh, have gotten into my WordPress is because I didn't update the plugins. Yeah, I didn't update the plugins. AO is saying a web firewall. Yep, that works in a large or medium uh, large organizations. Web firewall works. AO, what web firewall would you recommend? And AL says uh, web balancers like a F5 web balance, a uh, load balancer, load balancers also work. A proxy, reverse proxies also work. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways. Another thing I would say is on a web server, um, only 
use the principle of least functionality. What that means is only use only open ports that you need. Right. A lot of times organizations, what they do is they just open, they, they install it, they put it out there, develop some app out there for customers to sign their stuff up. And then the web server has a thousand different ports open. You want to make sure that only the ports, protocols and services that you need, the principle of least functionality, only use what you need, only allow users on the back end, only allow the administrators and users that need to go on the back end of that system. If they don't need it, kick them off. If the ports, if the ports aren't needed, if the services aren't needed, get rid of it. Uh, also, do scans uh, regularly on your web services. So, if if you are in a large organization, uh, contact me directly. I might have something. Uh, with the organization I work for that we might be able to help you on that. <laughs> um, Esther says, explain the concept of least privilege and separation of duties. Oh, least privilege means uh, only allow the, uh, only give users what they need to do their jobs. Give And then when you give them what they need to do their jobs, like you, of course you have to give them a user account right and a password all that kind of stuff but you only allow them access to the folders that they need to do their job now you don't want to restrict them too much because if you do they can't do their job obviously or you restrict them so much that it's hard for them to do your, their job i'm not that's i'm not saying make it hard for them to do their job i'm saying only give them access to what they actually need don't give everybody admin privileges a lot of organizations do that don't do that only give them what they need. You should have very few administrators, and those administrators should only have access to what they need. That's it. Um, separation of duties has to do with um, making sure that uh, your system administrator, the guy who's maintaining the web server, is not the same person as the security, the system security analyst who has to look at the logs. If they're the same person, then the system administrator could do something weird, awkward, or give themselves more privileges and then delete the logs and um, do whatever they want. <laughs> so you want to have, uh, it, at the very least, two different accounts that monitors those two different functions. One is a person who is doing the management of your web services and another person or another organization, another unit, someone else who looks at the logs. That's separation of duties so that one person can't do get in there, do some stuff as an administrator and then delete the logs and roll out, right? And then say, oh, somebody hacked our system. I wonder who it could be, you know? And then you can't trace it because the logs are deleted. So yeah, that's separation of duties. That's a very important concept in the NIST 800. And it's also an important concept in the CIS, in the um, ISO 27001, which is the international standard. And um, I mean, basically every, it's a basic, uh, it's a best security practice that is practiced at, at all large, or, all organizations should do it, but especially large ones. Okay, I hope that made sense. Um, Alex says, just tuning in, 
I uh, want to say thank you for what you do. Your content helped me to get a job in, as an whoa as an information system security manager. Are you serious? Damn, that's great, man. Congrats, by the way. Congratulations. I'm glad to always glad to help. So we were just talking about the DefCon, and uh, I was just saying. It's a really great experience. If you get a chance to go, especially if your organization will pay for it, go. It's only like really – I think it's only like $600 to get in. It's not very expensive um, to, to get into the DEF CON. When I went, it was like 300 bucks. It wasn't very expensive. All right, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this one. Um, thanks everybody for watching. Appreciate you guys. Um, I will continue to do con uh, content. Maybe I'll, I'll try to do one tomorrow too, because uh, um, these lives are pretty helpful.